Welcome to the Phase World Podcast, engaging conversations that cross the boundaries between business, art, and the digital world. This episode is part two of my conversation with Matt Lindley. You don't have to listen to the two parts in order, though I highly recommend that you do not miss out on part one, where Matt talks about his upbringing and influences prior to becoming a senior advertising executive. Matt Lindley is the director of innovation at Sapien Nitro and a board member for Friends of the Boston Homeless, as well as Stop Handgun Violence. I had the pleasure to join Matt his family and friends at the annual event for Friends of the Boston Homeless for the past three years, where I met Joe Rancatori, owner of the famous Rancatori ice cream and one of the sponsors at the event. Joe had recently agreed to be part of my podcast. What a connection for ice cream lovers like myself. Well, back to Friends of the Boston Homeless. It is an incredible nonprofit organization that helps over 400 homeless people every year to move beyond shelter and lead independent lives. Please check it out and see how you can play a part. In this episode, you will hear a day in the life of Matt Lindley, the director of innovation. Beyond growing a business, Matt is very interested in growing and enabling the people around him. We talk about the overlying theme, the collective wisdom that helps us move forward in every direction. We also catch up on Matt's own invention of a breakfast club, where he brings like-minded people, friends, to sparkle ideas and have a great time. Of course, I couldn't possibly leave the question out, that is, how much of Mad Men, the TV show, is true in advertising agencies today? I should be able to answer that question, right? because I'm also in advertising, but anyway, as a TV host in Matt's previous life, he once again turned the mic around and asked me about why Face World Podcast? What triggered me to care about what and how other people think? And why in the world was I obsessed with ice hockey and thought it was my life calling? I guess you will all learn more about me in this episode as well, totally unplanned, unscripted. I hope you all enjoy the show, and remember that show notes, tools, and resources can be found via my website at phaseworld.com, F-E-I-S-W-O-R-L-D, for this episode as well as all the previously released ones. You can listen to my podcast directly on my website, as well as subscribing to iTunes and non-iTunes channels. Subscription will help us stay in touch, and the next episode will be downloaded automatically as soon as you open the app. For iPhone users, the podcast app is fairly trivial. For new Android users, the one I like a lot is called Podcast Addict, which you can download for free. Now, enjoy the show. One of uh, the opportunity here is if you could walk the audience through your day as director of innovation, what is your regular day like? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Mm-hmm. Well, the innovation thing, um, strangely, uh, I think that um, five five or six years ago, Barry and I interviewed at the same time for the creative director job, and I didn't get it. Um, Barry got it. And I was like, wait a minute. I, I just came from running 120 people and you know $400 million worth of business, and I can't run 12 people over here. It's sapient, but I like the I like the notion of sapient, the idea of the connection between the strong link between technology and creative. And so it was the idea of building an agency 
in an environment that there were you know, 10 or 12 people uh, in an environment with a whole bunch, surrounded by a whole bunch of really, really smart people. So I thought they stand a better shot than most groups. Um, so uh, uh, Chris called me back and said, hey, I, I want to hire both of you. I want you to be the director of innovation. I'm like, what's that? And he goes, well, we'll figure that out when you get here. Um, so we started work. And, and essentially what it has been, honestly, um, has been a new business job. Um, and the new business job has been to understand the connection between the technology stuff that we do, uh, because I spent time at CMGI and ZDNet and I started a bunch of tech companies, um, the connection between that and creative, which I've always loved, but I've never been fully in either camp. Um, I don't think that you would find a, um, I was an executive creative director at Arnold, but it really was on technology. I mean, it really was on quote starts for progressive and Vonage voice over IP phone systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, and then, uh, uh, creative director at ZDNet, which was, which was about ad, ad placement and then CMGI. It was this combination of these two things. So director of innovation at Sapien gives me the ability to walk the floor at Sapien with these incredibly smart people. Some of my favorite creative people, Alan's there, Gary's there. Um, and, uh, and connect the two. That's really it. I mean, it sounds, I, I hate to make it so if someone's listening to this and paying my salary, they'd be like, wait a minute, is that all you do? <laughs> but the, the notion is that I see something in technology and I'll be like, you know, that is really, that's, explain that. And I usually need it to explain like two or three times. And they'll say like, no, what happens is you press this button and then somewhere in Stad, the little thing in the head pops off. And I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then someone call, someone else has, you know, a, a creative not a crisis, but they're going, they're wa- working through a creative problem. I'm like, wait a minute, have you seen this button push thing where then Shad the head po-? and they're like, wait a minute. So we put the two together, and it's a touch screen, and the touch screen does a bunch of other stuff. And I thought that's it. And I thought I st- my best shot um, at doing this in Boston because I'm not moving is, is Sapien Nitro. Mm-hmm. That was my thought, and it still is. It's just it's five and a half years later, and I can't say that it's gotten any easier. Um, as you're discovering in most agencies, it's a very very hard thing, mm-hmm. almost impossible to do well. Um, because one group of people, I mean, I was in Switzerland with someone from Sapien Nitro and I made some joke at the dinner table. I said, well, it's not like we're, you know, you're from an arranged marriage. And she goes, I am, you know, she was from an arranged marriage and I, you know, I grew up on a dirt road. So here's a kid from a farm in Pennsylvania, um, with a woman, this is Karishma from, uh, from, uh, she lives in Bangalore someplace Mm -hmm. or Delhi. And, and we're both in Switzerland working for a, a French client who's in Switzerland and uh, and we're trying to make all these things work together because mm-hmm. that's the nature of the that's the nature of the beast now. Mm-hmm. Really fascinating, mm-hmm. but extraordinarily hard. Culturally difficult, language barriers, technology issues, mm-hmm. and all of that makes it exciting. So that that is so true. That's the world I'm living in. Yeah, and I think you you really pinpointed uh, some of the the core themes here. So I was wondering what. This is something I'm trying to like figure out on my own. I think it changes over time potentially. Yeah. Is what is the underlying overlapping theme? And what is what I mean by that is the core competencies or the way you look at the world, your vision, your strategy mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the same across regardless of language and cultures. Mm-hmm. But on top of all that, mm-hmm. what are something how do you have to operate differently mm-hmm. given a new age? And to kind of, in some cases, as we mm-hmm. all know, is sort of the traditional to digital transition. Mm-hmm. I don't think one is necessarily better than the other. Let's mm-hmm. just put it that way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the two have to, to marry. Mm-hmm. That's a long-winded question to say what's the same but what's different. Yeah, I, I go back to the expression I used before, which and I don't know where I picked it up, which was child's mind. And it was the idea of standing three feet behind yourself mm-hmm. and looking at yourself. I happen to operate in this 
uh, years ago, I operated an extraordinarily high anxiety level all the time. It was just what kept me going. Mm -hmm. And I used to just get so kind of freaked out about what was going on. I used to sort of float behind myself a little bit, uh, which was a technique a friend of mine told me about. And the, at that moment, you, you you begin to see the world differently. You begin to see the problem differently. Mm -hmm. There's a there's a video being done, uh, a friend of mine was telling me about, which was, um, uh, he was telling me about there's a video being made, and it's all these astronauts. And they talked to all these astronauts who have seen the planet Earth from mm -hmm. the window of a spacecraft. And they looked at the whole world. And these are, these are traditionally right-wing, military, Republican, whatever, guys. Mm -hmm. And their perspective is, you know, we all got to try to get along because they've seen the earth in total. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're not, it's not like us and them, it's us. And you see this giant, and I always thought that was fascinating because the idea is there's all sorts of fiefdoms and there's also, and you know, from clients, all these verticals, mm -hmm. the overlying theme is if you step back is that the collective we, and that, that can be any concentric circle you choose to make as a company, if we could just learn from each other enough mm -hmm. to move forward, we could do some extraordinary things. Mm -hmm. I think it's true in medicine. I think it's true in everything. So the idea is, can you step back far enough mm -hmm. to see? Mm -hmm. um, can you, and can you be a catalyst for that even beyond that? Can you be the person who helps other people step back mm -hmm. and see? And sometimes it's themselves. Sometimes it's like, listen, this, you know, it's like a little thing mm -hmm. like, no, no, no. Why not you? Like, this is not wrong. Mm -hmm. But then you realize that by doing that, you, you, the, the 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 sum total gets better mm -hmm. but it's just it's not it's not essentially valued companies tend to go like yeah you see bob had a sales he's killing it mm. that's the way we operate he's up 22 mm -hmm. percent last year mm -hmm. we're about it we're a group of individuals mm -hmm. but i think that's important too mm -hmm. but the step back is the and the collective value that goes with it is i think is where the real i think that's where the great stuff is mm -hmm. um and if we could do more of it we would we could move we can move into some really exciting places. Mm -hmm. One of the questions I always thought about, you go to places, rarely you, for me, I meet people like you, and I want to be friends with for the rest of my life, regardless. I think we'll where be we friends are. forever. <laughs> I think it could happen. We will be. Yeah. And I wonder from, uh, not to talk about pulling HR for a second, what are some of the strategies in making sure that, making sure that you create a group more or less describing some sort of personalities or you know uh, let's just put it that's a better i guess i could ask I know a better you, i know what you're asking i mean essentially mm -hmm. how is it you create a, a group of like-minded individuals yeah and having started an agency i know that um you know we got to four people we were not <laughs> we were no longer like-minded individuals <laughs> it's one of the reasons going back to the original point that people mm -hmm. become artists is it's complete self-expression mm -hmm. um, i'm going to be honest with myself and this is what i can handle i can put myself out there it's your mom it's it's my parents. It's mm -hmm. you know. It's like the idea is I'm going to put myself out there as an individual. As soon as you have an agent and you know somebody who goes, you know what you ought to do is I remember my I remember, this is a true story. My mom sold a painting. Mm -hmm. um, it was a painting of my parents after they got divorced, and it was really an aggressive kind of an aggressive piece. It was beautiful, but it was huge. Mm -hmm. And there was a woman came into the gallery and she bought it because she liked the colors and it would fit over her couch. She had no idea that the painting was like this really you know, um, aggressive uh, thing. If, if, if you knew my parents, it was uh -huh. two figures standing with their hands just, just about a quarter inch apart. I mean, it was completely personal. There were words sketched in there with a palette knife. It was crazy. And somewhere in Long Island, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in someone's house because it matched the blue leather sofa, I guess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So um, so essentially, 
the notion is that that if if um, uh, if you can get like-minded people around you, um, I have just never seen it work beyond you know six, <laughs> you know, like or eight. Yeah, you can't you you can't diversity is part of it, but you, you, everybody's going to start breaking. Everybody's issues are in there, mm -hmm. and you cannot make the you know the perfect anything. You have mm -hmm. to. That's where the ebb and flow comes. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, and business inherently always wants to build. Mm -hmm. So you get this, um, you can't stay at six people because mm -hmm. inevitably there'll be something else and be like, oh, we got to take a shot at that. We just need four more people. Mm -hmm. And we did that with, you know, Modern East in the beginning and 12 became 25, became 100 mm -hmm. it, really fast. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, the idea is you try to hire people. We had this at, at Sapien, we had this no assholes rule. You know, mm -hmm. the idea was we just didn't want people who were assholes. And they're, you know, not a lot of assholes, considering how many people there are. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's hard to come yeah, by. Yeah, there weren't a ton of jerks. I mean, it really, really, you know, if there are 13,000 people mm -hmm. and you can't really, there's nobody you want to drive over, I think you're doing pretty well, <laughs> you know? It's so true. This yeah. goes back to this uh, life is this perfect circle, but yeah. to uh, identify and acknowledge differences. And I think that's partially what I'm still working through my own career, uh, mm -hmm. admittedly speaking to work with different personalities, mm -hmm. uh, work with people with extreme, you know, um, insecurities. And, the, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, maybe that makes sense for when you're 25. Really? You're still doing that when you're 30? And that comes up and I try to train myself not to get too tangled up, worked up around it because then I feel disempowered mm -hmm. uh, and I become a different person. Uh, so... Do you think people think about, this is interesting about you, do you think that people think about this as much as you do? Or do you think they just... They go to work, they make an ad, they go home, <laughs> they, they kick don't. the dog, they watch football. I mean, you really think about this stuff. I think about this stuff, and you, you are absolutely right. Um, the people, I believe most other people don't think about this stuff yeah. as much as I do. Yeah. And I think a few uh, interviewees I will be interviewing in the next week or so are not from this country. We're originally you know, born elsewhere. And I have this, like, I don't want to call it an immigrant mentality, mm -hmm. but there's a there's something going on with myself mm -hmm. that we tend to be a little more self-conscious mm -hmm. than others, starting questioning your accent, your grammar mistakes, um, and why you should always be better. And our parents, of course, play a significant mm -hmm. part. Mm -hmm. Maybe not my parents. It's like the A minus is sort of the Asian F yeah, sort of right. thing. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Have you seen the T-shirt that says "While you're reading this, and there's an Asian kid doing his homework"? Have you seen that? Yeah. While you're eating this. Yeah. Right. Um, no, while you're reading this T-shirt. Uh, while you're... you're reading this, an Asian kid is doing his homework. I saw it at the mall. I was like, really? They can sell that T-shirt? But um, that's awesome. I like the Asian F, the A minus. Yeah. yeah. That that would be very that would be applauded in this house. So the A minus would be welcome. <laughs> I bet your kids are really good in school. They don't. You know what? They're they're okay in school. Um, yeah. yeah, they're okay in school. They do all right. Um, but. Uh, yeah, but we don't, we don't have, we have no, I mean, I don't want you to fail out of school, but I also think it's absurd what we're doing with the four or five hours worth of homework. I just don't, oh, I don't get the point. Um, I think that as, as we, as we get older, I think we're going to evolve out of that. I think it's a very, um, it's important people practice because mm -hmm. I think they ought to know this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but I think that there's a, there's just a, there's a sort of a, a backwards pride in having five or four or five hours worth of homework. It just doesn't mm -hmm. make any sense to me. I did mm -hmm. it. I mean, I went mm -hmm. to, you know, we had study hall and I went to boarding school and we'd sit there, the doors would be open and we had three and a half hours every night and prefects would walk up and down the hall and you'd sit there and it worked. I mean, you know, I can, I can process and concentrate. 
Um, but I don't think it makes sense now. I think there's just too much going on. Mm -hmm. I just think we move too fast. There's too mm -hmm. much access to everything. Yeah. Um, I love where you're going with this because I can't, some of the interviewees don't have kids. Yeah. And I find it fascinating to talk about parenting and especially with your spin mm -hmm. as a creative director. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool to think that if you, one of your parents is a creative director at a, at an ad agency. Um, so, but I do have to ask your permission to say it's one twelve. Do you have like another 20 minutes I got or so? Yeah, I got nothing. You got time? I got time. Great. Awesome. I I... I'm not that busy. You keep saying I'm that busy. I'm like, <laughs> I'm gonna, my uncle called. That was it. <laughs> I saw something on LinkedIn yesterday. Yeah. It blew my mind because out of, uh, at Sapien, met thousands of people probably without exaggeration, you and another guy, Peter Borton. Yeah. Peter blows my mind. Yeah. Just his, the way, yes, he looks like a crazy scientist. Don't mind me saying that, Peter. Yeah. And he is a crazy scientist. You know, he, he was a, he was a bench, bench researcher or something at Yale School of Medicine. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was Dr. Track. He was, he was, um, you know, and he walks around with an iPad, like a, like, a, it's like monastic kind of thing he's got going on. He's sort of got part, Part monk, part part monk. He's got a little bit of everything going on. You know? He he is amazing, yeah. and he is very zen. Uh, to mm -hmm. your point, and he has not responded to my request to do the podcast. <laughs> well, we'll get Maybe. him. Maybe we'll, he's we'll in Lincoln. Him. We'll drive out there right now. We'll <laughs> yeah. drive. So the, actually, honest, just two of you guys from Sapient. Yeah. And if I just quickly pull in the example so the audience get a sense of who he is, and then maybe together we can pressure him to get on this podcast. Yes is Peter, Peter, Peter. <laughs> I was in a, again, very tense situation, tense, uh, very difficult client to work with. And we're at this workshop, nobody, there's business, there's technology. Mm -hmm. There you have it, just tension. Yeah. And the workshop is not going anywhere. And here comes Peter. He had his backpack. Uh, he sat in the back. He realized this and he passed me a note and said, he and I talked about neurolinguistic uh, programming all the time, NLP. And he wrote me a note and said, I'm going to go up there, ask a question. I want you to watch how the crowd changes their behavior mm -hmm. and their posture. And I thought to myself, this guy is crazy. Dead man. Don't do this. Yeah. And I said, and I nodded. And he went up there and he said a question. I just remember people turning from all twisted posture. Everybody turned forward yeah. and in within a minute business and technology from the same company we're talking to each other yeah so with that said i think you have a picture there and i saw goes back to linkedin he wrote you a feedback he yeah. said matt lindley has one of the greatest minds i've ever him, seen I paid him for <laughs> it was like 50 bucks for greatest he said it was like you know oh man i wanted to say badass <laughs> that would have been like 75 you know he's peter's incredibly nice and i he had asked me for something um, at one point, and I said, "Well, that's very nice of you." And then he wrote something on my uh, wrote something for me. I think he's incredibly smart. They um, they had an expression for him at work. He just sort of wanders into a room and uncomplicates things. Um, sometimes so much they get complicated again. <laughs> so he can unwind something so much that it goes the other way. But he's a, he's a fascinating fascinating character. Yeah, absolutely. So. So I was a uh, breakfast club on Sunday sometime, and um, mm -hmm. it was Alan uh, from work, Alan Poffenbach. Um, I invited my friend Chris, um, who uh, who um, great guy mm -hmm. that I fish with, but also uh, you know got, got his PhD from MIT and plays the kazoo and has a uh, site called Mr. Crunchy. I mean, he's completely insane. Also Quaker, like me, mm -hmm. um, and went to all the Quaker schools, arch rival school, 
And so I was thinking about who I could add to that group, and I called my uncle, um, who is a, a psychiatrist mm-hmm. and, uh, and teaches Sanskrit. He's an interesting character. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, who can I who can I add to this group to have like the best conversation I can possibly have? And I called Peter, and I said, would you like? And he showed up. Oh, so yeah. Peter and Alan and Chris and my uncle Charles and I all sat around. And used to have breakfast every Sunday morning, and the conversation was fascinating. You used to. Yeah, used to. Well, we just stopped doing it. One day we just stopped doing it. We got to get back into it. But we used to, we did it for, I don't know, eight Sundays or something. Really? I don't want to crash the party, but I'd love to. Oh, you should come. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, no, it was just fascinating. A bunch of, started, you know, it's a bunch of old guys sitting around talking about, like, you know, how good things used to be. Um, (laughs) I love talking to grown-ups. Yeah, right. (laughs) And then we just, uh, you know, then it all sort of just went away. Mm -hmm. Um, But we got to start doing it again. But the conversation was fascinating. Peter... Peter eased into that group like uh, he'd always been there. Wow. Um, and these are guys that I fish with. I mean, that's as close. When you're in, you're in a river in Montana in a boat for days, mm-hmm. you get to know each other pretty well. Wow. And Peter just like uh, just slid in like instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was pretty impressive to me. You and Peter are, in my mind, you will feel very flattered. But I have to say it, they're legendary in... Thank you. You wonder why I was so into doing the podcast. Anybody who calls me legendary, <laughs> come talk to me all day. All day. Let's legendary. Do this again. That's right. Yeah. I could do going to the third hour now in today's world. <laughs> part three. Yeah, I've part only had two parts right. for the podcast. We're going to do another week here, so y'all come on back. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's incredibly kind and, and embarrassing, but thank you. That's very kind of you. Yeah, sincerely. I don't want to let you down. So maybe we can take a turn here and. A desperate question I had yeah. after watching five, six seasons of Mad Men. Yeah. So since you've been in advertising a lot longer than I have, yeah. how much of that is true versus not so true? Obviously, it was reflecting agency. Yeah, the time. The yeah, the time life. The time life. Uh, the 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 um, the old agency stuff in the '60s. I have people who's uh, my friend Park. His father was alive then and and worked there. And he says a lot of it's very true. The problems. The um, <coughs> The things that went on in the show, some of the conflicts between, you know, the accounts leaving and people wanting to, those are very contemporary. Like mm. you could change the clothes. Mm-hmm. People sit in offices and say, listen, we're going to start an agency or we're going to get out of here. We, you know, we need you. We need you. We need that account. People, I've done it, gone to an account and said, listen, if I left, would you, I mean, all that horrible stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's all very true. The rest of it, I have no idea, but I don't watch it because it feels to me like I get angsty watching it. I get like, <laughs> Seriously, I'm like I like to watch mindless. I don't actually watch television. I turn it on. I like sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, watch football, but I'll fall asleep to it. That's the kind of TV that I like to watch now, mm-hmm. because this the, the problems that they're sort the things that are going on. These little twists and turns are a lot of them are very um, true. Yeah, and yeah. They, and that makes me a little crazy because that happens during the day. A client calls and goes, "Listen, we're leaving," uh-huh. um, and uh, you know, I, I true story. Um, we had won an account at Arnold. It was, uh, you know, I don't know, it was $30 million piece of business. It was the first one I'd won. It was, I was feeling, you know, and it was a group of us um, that had won it. It was something that was a reach for Arnold, and I felt really good about it. And the client called after two weeks and said, listen, you guys are not not the agency I wanted. Mm. And I was like, he goes, oh, I'm geez. leaving. The two weeks. And I had just gotten there, and, and I was, like, trying desperately to, you know, prove myself. And so I said, I said to this client, I said, where do you live? And he said, I live in Connecticut. I said, where exactly? Give me your address. And I left the office at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I drove to his house in Connecticut. We wound up having dinner. We wound up sitting down. We wound up talking. We wound up whatever. Mm-hmm. Long story short, we kept the account. But I was watching Mad Men, mm-hmm. you know, and there's this, you know, the guy goes, where are you? 
and he's like in Tommy and the guy gets on the plane and flies out there. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> and it was, I was driving, I remember driving down there going like, I don't know what I'm going to say. I may as well just tell the truth. Like I may as well get we, You know, the pitch is a very fake situation. I'm telling you what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like dating, you know, you think mm-hmm. everybody's perfect. And then it turns out, well, maybe they have some weird stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And then when you actually get into the business, you want to, you want to fulfill what you, the promise that you made. Mm-hmm. And we were not fulfilling the promise that we made, but what it was, was I need you for you to trust me. Mm-hmm. I need for you to trust me and this group of people who are going to take care of this business and do everything we can to make this right. Mm-hmm. And they did, and it all worked. Mm-hmm. But it was exactly the same scenario, you know, that had been on Mad Men. I saw it later on Mad Men, and I thought to myself, I can't watch this show anymore. Mm. It's I'm, I'm going to pass out. <laughs> I'm going to nosebleed. Pass out. <laughs> nosebleed. Yeah. So I watch, uh, you know, Law and Order and sports, and because uh, this has nothing to do with what I do. Mm-hmm. You know. I know, I was like a plumber watching the plumber movie, and yeah, right. I can't, can't no, do it. I don't need to watch Waterworld. It's making me crazy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, my follow-up question, which I don't think you're able to answer, is who on Mad Men do you feel like, you know, resemblance <laughs> towards yeah, no, I, now? I can't think of any of them. I, I, um, I, <laughs> I think we all, uh, I watched the episode where Don Draper was standing up there saying, it's not a wheel, it's a carousel. I do remember, they were talking about the wheel of the, with the slides. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, it's not a wheel, it's a carousel. And I remember that moment and saying what had happened was it had turned from something upside down to something right side up. Like there's a magic moment in advertising. Mm-hmm. And I think that is not that that's a lost art, but I think digital's changing that because they're like, even if he had said carousel, they're like, well, let's user test that. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's put that out there and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, life's too short to. You know, my father used to say that he used to have every car he had when he was growing up. He had to be able to put a cigarette out on the ground by reaching out the window. That was the thing. He had to be able to reach out, and put a cigarette out <laughs> that low. <laughs> yeah, something that low. I have a receipt from a, he he had a Porsche um, mm-hmm. that he bought used, and he said the guy drove it across the lot and it, and it stalled. And he goes, "That's the car I want." Mm-hmm. And um and uh, I have the receipt for the car. It was uh, seventeen hundred and fifty bucks or something. It's around here somewhere. Mm-hmm. Seventeen hundred fifty dollars Porsche. I I wish I could meet your dad. You know? So do I. That would have been a, a good thing. He's yeah. uh he's a good egg. Yeah, he's um, perfect. I wish I. I wish I had the opportunity to, to yeah. interview him. Yeah, he could have just like you. But I think there's this part of you that truly is a reflection of your dad. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it shouldn't. I shouldn't jump to a conclusion like that. But no, it's true. I think it's mm-hmm. true. I think you know, this amalgam things happen when you get older too. It's like when we mm-hmm. started the interview. You said you know, in your twenties, you're rebellious, and in your thirties, you're like, you know, oh my God, they're, they're not bad people. My parents and mm-hmm. and. Um, I think all that's true. We are this amalgam of all these people that we know and, and, and our parents. And, mm-hmm. and we try to take from that what we think um, will, will, one, serve us well, mm-hmm. um, and two, that we want to sort of uh, keep alive. Mm-hmm. And the service well part of it is, you know, the um, shaking someone's hand, looking them in the eye, saying please and thank you. I mean, really, Dad, that's all I cared about mm-hmm. in the end of the day. And then, uh, and then the then the part that you keep alive is the fact this sort of rounded rounded edges thing again, which is like those. The interesting people are usually the you know when you got a whole bunch of people who are on the escalator going up, the interesting person's usually sitting there in some weird hat. I mean, it really is true. Mm-hmm. The weird ones are usually the cool ones, and, mm-hmm. the, and the cool ones is something going on, mm-hmm. and it's not always healthy. You know, <laughs> there can mm-hmm. be a lot going on, but it's usually someone is like got something going on. You're like, what's up with that person? Yeah. And, and it's like, well, it's like, and it was what I, when I discovered you at, at Sapien, you and I talked, you were thinking about this stuff. Uh-huh. You were thinking about all of it and you were thinking about all of it all the time. Mm-hmm. It, it would be very easy to plug in mm-hmm. and not unplug. You could do 20 years mm-hmm. somewhere like that mm-hmm. without any trouble. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that might be right for some people, but you keep thinking about this mm -hmm. and you're like, I want to try that and I want to get into that and I want to lean into that. And you realize that is your life's pursuit. Mm -hmm. That's phase world. Yeah, that is phase world. Right. And this thing really is for me. Yeah. I started podcasting only two weeks ago and I felt my entire being and energy changed. Yeah. And I, you know, to be, this sounds funny, but I still sleep pretty late for yeah. the most part these days. But this morning I couldn't even sleep much beyond like seven, eight o'clock. Yeah. I felt really excited about this. Yeah. You know, people, I, people with a career. Yeah. <laughs> compared to people with a job. Yeah. Um, there aren't enough, there isn't enough time in the day. Yeah. Um, well, this is important. It's yeah. like you said, like exercise, like meditation. I think mm -hmm. this is your, this is your it's meditation. My, this is my said. meditation. Yeah. And choosing, James Altucher said, choose yourself. Um, yeah. This is one thing that I'm doing, that choosing myself. As you mentioned, just parenthood a little early on. Mm -hmm. I I love to completely adore your kids, and yeah. today is probably the most time I've spent with them. Maybe you could take them with you when you go. They like the car, <laughs> I'm sure. They're, yeah. they're very good. There's yeah. 17 and 15, and I quickly kind of mention when I talk to parents, I definitely will have kids. I know that probably will happen in the next two to three years, let's mm -hmm. just say. And I know you're never going to be prepared. Don't wait till the perfect moment to do it. Mm -hmm. But I'm learning uh, I'm really interested in learning about parenting parenthood in particular I spoke with Holly uh, mm -hmm. actually also worked at uh, Arnold how do you teach her like well what is parenthood like is it could you just like encapsulate it like in a story so I okay. can and she's like that's gonna be very difficult but she said one example and I thought it was eye-opening and I see the same moment in your kids mm -hmm. she her kids are probably a little younger you know, a six and four. And she said, well, you know, one day we plan to go to the zoo, like Franklin zoo. And it started raining. Like it is today. And the kids said, no problem, mom. We'll just hang out. We watch a movie. And she said in that moment, she said, I, that's what I wanted my kids to be like very even keeled and not to make it not, not to be so dramatic in a way that mm -hmm. everything has to go their way. Mm -hmm. And all three of them very different in age are mm -hmm. okay with that mm -hmm. change. Mm -hmm. And I felt uh, very different. And with your kids, and when I met them mm -hmm. much younger, five years ago, mm -hmm. not all of them are taller than I am. And and I just, there there's that moment when I saw them, how comfortably they walked around Sapien. They, they shook hands. They were back then 13 and 11. They were shaking hands with people at Sapien, people much older. They're yeah. completely comfortable. Yeah. And then today, years later, you know, I your daughter barely, probably barely remembers me. I actually think she I met her. She remembers you. Yeah? Yeah. Um, and then she gave me this huge hug. And then, you know, Sam being his age, being a teenager, and he's yeah. clearly like way cool, you know, very welcoming. Yeah. And as as a parent, as a non-parent, I, I want to make sure you don't take that for granted. Either. Yeah. That doesn't happen yeah. with teenagers. Yeah. So what, what, how did you create it? Physical <laughs> abuse is how we got to it. No. Um, <laughs> How do we get to, um, thank you for all that. Mm -hmm. I think that I, again, I think that you take, as I said before, you take from your parents what, I remember my father's finger, he would, I would be in an elevator and I'd start moving and his finger would go into my collar to make sure I didn't leave the elevator before other people left the elevator. <laughs> so I started to do that to Sam. He'd start walking and I'd stick my finger in his collar and go like that. Um, I think in the, in the end, I mean, you know, it's so funny, the A minus comment you made before. It was like, I, the grades are important and, the, and understanding, you know, the difference between, a, you know, uh, you know, identifying a Modigliani in a gallery is a great thing. All those mm -hmm. things are great things. 
Um, but what was really important was the idea that you shake hands, say please and thank you. It is, it is so ridiculous how that is gone. Mm -hmm. Culturally, we've lost that in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. So the notion that they would just be um, good citizens of the planet Earth mm -hmm. was really, really important. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that is what the idea is that that's what we've put in them. Mm -hmm. um, more than anything else. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I, I honestly, you know, I, 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 I hesitate to say this out loud because if it becomes part of the podcast, they might hear it. But mm -hmm. I just, I just want good citizens, you know, good people. Mm -hmm. And I really don't give a shit about the rest of it. Mm -hmm. I really, I sadly, I don't. I, 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 it would be fabulous if they both got full rides to Harvard. I think that'd be fantastic. <laughs> but I don't think it's going to happen. And I don't, and I don't, and I, and after, but I think as, as human beings, when they go out there, I, mm -hmm. hopefully they'll be touching people's lives and making a difference that way. And I think that starts with like an open mind mm -hmm. um, and, a, and, a, and a willingness to listen to other people and a, and a, and a welcoming nature because we're not, you know, we're not built like that. I mean, we are built like that as, as kids, mm -hmm. but then it all just gets messed up. I mean, you remember being a teenager, you're like, oh, screw mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. that. So it's, it's been a struggle, but just trying to keep them open. You know, one thing I notice, <laughs> Sam, your older son is very into extreme sports and yeah. that, that aspect reminds me so much of myself yeah. growing up as a girl in Beijing, wanted to do skateboarding, rollerblading, yeah. uh, ice hockey. It was like a lifelong dream of right. my martial arts. And my parents are very nervous. I'm the only child and uh, I was very careful yeah. and I was never a great skater. Let's just be honest. And your, your son, Sam, is. And I could just tell. I mean, I I remember seeing posts and you know, oh, his friends went crazy for him. I know he he goes to these special places to kind of train near. Oh yeah, he IP. got this summer. Yeah. He got his picture in, on ESPN. He jumped oh, over God. something, and he was uh, <laughs> he was in this boys' of summer issue of ESPN online, and that was mm -hmm. that was pretty much it. And I remember Jess and I were like, "Where the hell have you been all day?" He's like, "No, I was in downtown. There was an ESPN photographer. I jumped over this thing. I'm like." I don't because he's been in the hospital. He had a, he knocked himself out at one point. He broke his foot, broke his foot because he went off this ramp. We were at this park, and he jumped off this ramp, and the whole place went crazy. And I turned around, I had a camera, and I'm like, I missed it. What'd you do? And he goes, oh, I'll do it again. So he went up on this wall, he spun the bike around, he landed, and he broke his foot because I told him to do it again. So I'm I'm really aiding and abetting the bad behavior. But um, but um, yeah, it's funny. Um, why? How could ice hockey? Why, why was ice hockey like a dream of yours? How does that even work? I, you know, I trying to recall, I was much older than the, the rest of the planet who are this into ice hockey. I was, I was 15, actually just a year before I came out here. It's like yeah. life takes you to very interesting places in the world. I, um, my mom felt really guilty that I was during my winter vacation. She had to travel for work. So she sort of hired and persuaded some woman in her little sports sedan to drive me to this place 40 minutes in the downtown and it was the first ice rink ever built in beijing and that happens to be in between like all these embassies in particular u.s embassy canadian embassy so i was i was there i struggled a little bit i had my figure uh, skates on and then i see these little like girls and they're tutu looking things like very beautiful very constructed and you're like um, i don't want to do that <laughs> yeah exactly and then about half a day four hours in yeah. i mean i was really into it and i thought to myself wait a minute like there i saw just a couple of guys so yeah. one teenager one older uh one older gentleman and they were just flying on ice and they were wearing it's a little cheesy they're wearing jerseys and yeah. maybe the bruins with the kings or who yeah. knows 
And that day when I was wrapping up and I saw a um, bunch of Canadians, Americans who come in when they were closing down the rink, and that moment I saw them walk in, they were getting dressed and they start flying on ice. And I always like to be outside and, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's hard to do in Boston or Beijing, the cold weather and all mm -hmm. that, two months summertime. And I remember just the, the way, if I could go that fast, I thought I, my face would hit the wind. Mm -hmm. I would have this natural high. Mm -hmm. And I was completely right. So the next day, it's day two, I came in. I said, how do I get uh, hockey skates? And the story was, there are a couple of Asian guys there. They have their quote-unquote connections to their friends in Canada or US. Yeah. They could get these magical CCM Bauer skates. Yeah. And of course, it was marked up 300% yeah. you know, tax. And, yeah. And I said, what if I get a pair? And that night I, I convinced my my parents. They're like, oh, is this, that costs that much. Oh my God, how long can I use it for? I said, this is it. This is my life calling. I was being all dramatic about it. Yeah. <laughs> and I got my skates. I got my skates and I had the world's greatest coaches and two guys. The best part is one of them actually worked at the rink and it was yeah. very expensive skating yeah. there. I remember every hour was five. Every hour was like, eight to ten US dollars but yeah. you could I usually spend like a whole day there as yeah. you can imagine and I made friends with them I day two or three start going there for free yeah so awesome. yeah I started yeah. spending a whole day there I got my skates and sorry just my answer is this so I get really into it just like Taekwondo yeah and I remember my coaches those two guys are saying learning how to stop on yeah. skates how to do crossover within the week right the first week one they're like oh you're kind of um, what was the word they used? Like, you know, unlike uh, us athletic people, that we, we learned all this in half a day. It's been a week and you haven't learned how to stop. Really? Right? Oh, you're <laughs> supposed to have it all figured out. Yeah. 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 And um, so I would try things much earlier on. Yeah. And then later on, I learned that, that people were not naturally all that comfortable on skates. And yeah. I, I got my jerseys. I started playing with the junior leagues and they're much, much better. But uh, I, it was just amazing. And Wayne Gretzky, yeah. of course, I followed him when I was a, yeah. a young kid. And um, I loved, I just loved how he how he was. And yeah. the fact that he, I think he's he's 5'11". Like, yeah, he's, he's, but he weighs 110 tiny. pounds. He's tiny. Yeah, he he played from behind the goal. I mean, that was his thing. He protected himself with the net. Yeah. Um, great player. Yeah. But um, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> Hockey in Beijing. Yeah, I came out here and, uh, of course, at Freiburg. My, um, I remember all the Asian kids, you know, the <laughs> A minus or A plus kids who traveled to Freiburg with me. And I remember our headmaster would have tea with us and say, you know, what brought you here? Tell us about Did Patty. you say hockey? Yeah, I said hockey. <laughs> Everybody else at Harvard, I think. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only woman or only girl there. Yeah. So I had to play with boys for uh, half of the semester or half the season. And yeah. then we had the girls team. That's awesome. Sam had a teammate. Um, very tall, very big, very big girl, and uh -huh. he scored a goal, and she high-fived him, and she knocked him off his skates because <laughs> uh, she was so big. Uh, she's probably playing professional hockey at this point, but yeah, um, there was you. a piece on um, NPR the other day about the Washington Seven, and it was these artists, and the only one who's alive is this 97-year-old guy, mm. and um, they were they were a color school. Um, in other words, they were just a, a bunch of artists who it was all about color. And so the 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 um, the reporter went to meet this 97 year old blue haired or blue, blue eyed white haired guy. Mm -hmm. And they went into his studio and he said, no, I basically all I did was soak paint, acrylic paint into the canvas. Mm -hmm. And um, 
they were talking to us, you want to try it? And so she did it the way he did it and turned out something that looks just like him. And she goes, you're the artist. And he goes, no, you're the artist. Like what he was saying to her was like, all he did was figure out a technique. Mm -hmm. And then he did something. It was just this little discovery thing. And I thought what was interesting about that was he, he had said, um, it, it, sometimes it is just the technique that someone turns you on to. Mm -hmm. And then it's like your podcast or Taekwondo, or you, you turn somebody onto something and then it becomes their art. Mm -hmm. And that becomes their expression, mm -hmm. and it and it and all it is is the is the is the is the willingness on both people's sides to give a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I, I want somebody wants to learn, somebody wants to teach, and then you, you get into it, and then it becomes your thing, and then someone takes it from you, and then it becomes even better. Like mm -hmm. that you pass it along, and then suddenly, like you were a good artist. They're a fantastic artist, and it doesn't have to be the same thing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even have to be art. It could just it could be spreadsheets, mm -hmm. horribly. But I think that's really I think that's the cool idea, and I think that's what this is going to become for you. I think that you finding your finding your expression here. Mm -hmm. That's like you know, like it's like when you're telling me about Taekwondo and you don't fight guys who are under two hundred pounds, six. Do <laughs> remember? Yeah, because you keep knocking out people who are that big. <laughs> Um, that's that's like your that's all of these become the extension of your expression. Your mom's a painter. Mm -hmm. You may be a painter too, but the way you express yourself is, you know, mm -hmm. I take this next, I take this, I take these things that I like, and I take them to the next level, and that's how I express myself. Mm -hmm. Look, that's awesome. I think that's like the perfect conclusion. That's yeah. one of the things I was going to ask you is like, where do you see this go? How should I? Um, kind of find how should I find my voice and I think only I know how to do that and and it's it's hard you know as much as I welcome people's feedback you are you're an enabler like you don't tell me exactly what to do what I should do what is better um, or worse uh, you somehow painted a path for me in a very natural way that I find my own voice in it you know, I, people are compared to country singers or something like one guy makes you want to be him and the other guy uh, makes you want to be uh, yourself. Mm -hmm. and, Interesting. Yeah. That's a great, that's fantastic. Hey, I need to find yeah. their names. They're yeah. very, the moment I mention their names, you'd be like, ah. Oh, yeah. Know, well, I want to be the guy that makes you want to be yourself. Like I want to be the, I, and I think you found, I think you're, I think, you know, sort of a, uh, in conclusion, mm -hmm. I think that you, I sort of, I, I sort of think that this, um, this journey you're on, mm -hmm. whether you stick with it or not, is just another piece mm -hmm. of um, the, uh, this um, this uh, sort of blended light that becomes your life. Mm -hmm. And you really don't reflect, you may or may not reflect on it because so few people pause, mm -hmm. but I have faith that you will. I think that's why we're friends is because you strike me as the kind of person who will pause and look at it and examine, you know, it's not an unexamined life with you. This is not, mm -hmm. a, you know, and um, so I think that I think that the idea that along the way you you stop, you pause, you look at it, you go, now why why am I what, what are all these things? So why is you know phase world? I got the this, I got the this. Mm -hmm. got, what are all these things? What does it all mean together? Mm -hmm. And then from that you it bifurcates and you take the path on the right. Yeah. And off you go again. And I think that's it. I think that is the process of a of a meaningful mm -hmm. um, life. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. To listen to more episodes of the Face World podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or visit faceworld.com. That is F E I S W O R L D, where you can find show notes, links, other tools, and resources. You can also follow me on Twitter at Face World. Until next time, thanks for listening.